Hello, and welcome back to the Hearsay Podcast, a joint project between Pro Bono Students Canada, University of Calgary Chapter, and CJSW 90.9 FM. This is a podcast where University of Calgary law students discuss a variety of legal topics with a plethora of professionals in the field. We'd like to emphasize that the information you hear today is legal information and not legal advice, as we are law students and not lawyers. This podcast is purely for informational purposes. If you do require legal advice, please consult a lawyer, as there is no substitute for a professional. My name is Claire, and today we'll be speaking about the impact of the death of Her Majesty Queen Elizabeth II on the legal landscape of Canada with Dr. Ian Holloway. You're listening to CJSW 90.9 FM, broadcasting out of Calgary, Alberta, at the University of Calgary Campus Radio Station, located on Treaty 7 land. I would like to take this opportunity to acknowledge the traditional territories of the people of the Treaty 7 region in southern Alberta, which includes the Blackfoot Confederacy, comprising the Siksika, the Pigani, the Gaina First Nations, the Sutina First Nation, and the Stony Nakoda, including Chiniki, Bearspaw, Wesley First Nations. The city of Calgary is also home to Métis Nation of Alberta, Region 3. During our introductory weeks at the law school, we were fortunate enough to receive lectures from Dean Holloway as he introduced us to the origins of the common law system and how much of our legal system comes from the British tradition. Dr. Dean Holloway has served as Dean of the University of Calgary's Law School since 2011. While Dean Holloway has both a military and corporate legal background, one of his primary research fields is legal history. Without further ado, Welcome to Dean Holloway. It is a pleasure to have him on the podcast today. So to begin with, um, one thing that came across during the introductory lectures that you provided the first year students with, um, apart from your knowledge on the subject, was your passion for the British legal tradition. Can you tell us a bit about where that stemmed from and came from? Sure. Um, What I would say is my passion is really for the Canadian legal tradition, which um, by definition uh, um, is connected, deeply connected and intertwined with the legal tradition in, in Great Britain, but, but also in the United States and, uh, and much of the rest of the Commonwealth. As, as I said, to, uh, I said to, to the students on the first, uh, in one of the first classes, I said that Canadian legal history didn't begin on the 1st of July of 1867. It began arguably on the 15th of October, 1066. When Dean Holloway references 1066, what he's specifically talking about is the Battle of Hastings, where William, the Duke of Normandy, had a decisive victory in what we know today as England. This is something that set in motion a train of events that resulted in the English having a distinct legal tradition, a legal tradition that is very much at the basis of the Commonwealth system that we know today in all parts of Canada, with the exception of Quebec. As we are all aware, um, Her Majesty Queen Elizabeth II passed away on September 8th of 2022 after 70 years of official service as the Queen of Britain. For most listening, this will be, without a doubt, the first change in the monarchy on the British throne. The Queen was something of an icon that transcended her position and her role. There appears to be a very ceremonial aspect to the role of the monarch. Canada is currently a nation in which the Queen visited most. What do you think the Queen's most significant contribution to Canada was? 
the first thing I, I'd say, uh, just for the record, it was it was also the death of the Queen of Canada, not just the Queen of uh, Queen of Great Britain. Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of uh, the Queen's greatest uh, contribution to Canada, I think it was it was structural and systemic. Um, through the office that she occupied, uh, she contributed to um, uh, the stability of our system of government. That, that's in my mind, that's the real strength of our system of our system of constitutional monarchy is that it has provided us uh, with a, a stable and enduring system of government. In fact, do you know that Canada is, uh, even though we think of ourselves as as a young federation, we actually, I think, are in the uh, among the, the fifth longest, uh, fifth oldest continuing systems of government in the world. And so you mentioned constitutional monarchy. Hmm. For those who might not know what that means, could you explain what a constitutional monarchy is and how it functions in today's society? Sure. The old-fashioned formula was that they would say that the queen reigns, but she does not rule. I mean, and to put that in maybe more modern terms, uh, the, 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 the crown, the, the, the queen, her representative in Canada, the governor general, her representatives in the provinces, the lieutenant, uh, lieutenant governors, um, occupy a symbolic role. Uh, the uh, so we are a monarchy, but the monarch, uh, him or herself, uh, does not exercise any real uh, direct power, except in uh, in very unique and unusual circumstances. Can you describe to us what some of those unique and exceptional circumstances well, might be? I, I, I can try. And that, of course, is one of the challenges of so many things in our legal system is that it's, uh, you know, we, we know it when we see it, but it's hard to define it in words. But it's um, the, uh, the, the sovereign, the monarch is, a, is a, a, I guess, a, a final constitutional uh, safeguard. If the system of government seems to be breaking down, then uh, then he or she um, has the power to dismiss the government and uh, and uh, install a new one. But that has only happened in the Commonwealth, um, uh, maybe two or three times in the past two or three hundred years. But the fact that it's there is uh, is is both. A safeguard, ultimately, um, but secondly, it's a reminder to all those who hold political office uh, that they are there as the servants of the system rather than the masters of the system. And so, you, again, you mentioned uh, lieutenant government. Yep. Um, to what extent does the queen communicate, um, or I suppose the monarch in general, communicate and work with the governor general? Are they also very symbolic, or what extent are they an arm of? The British monarchy. Oh well, the, the Governor General is uh, is not an arm of the British monarchy. She's she's an arm of the Canadian monarchy, and and that's that's an important point. I mean, our monarchy is is legally uh, separate, autonomous, uh, and distinct from the monarchy in Britain and Australia and New Zealand and those other countries which uh, which share a head of state. So even though the the office is occupied by the same person, uh, he or she wears uh, m- many different hats. Um, so, but but to the question of how frequently the governor general uh, communicates with the, the queen or the king now, um, the answer is we don't know um, because by by their nature the communications are private. Um, we believe that it's that it's regularly. We certainly do know that that Queen Elizabeth was remarkably well informed about uh, about events in Canada. Uh, in fact, her very last act as the queen. 
was uh, to send a message uh, uh, to Canada, um, to uh, a, a message of condolence to the victims of uh, of, uh, of that mass shooting. Really, I didn't know that. So very connected to Canada, even though your average person might not know this. That's right. Yeah. So as you mentioned, the role of the queen is largely ceremonial. Mm -hmm. And with her passing, should it be business as usual following her death? Yeah, absolutely. That that's one of the that's one of the chief attractions of our system of government is 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 its stability. You know, the the again another old fashioned saying is, uh, you know, the the king is dead, long live the king. Um, the uh, there is no moment uh, where we are without a monarch. The 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 moment the queen drew her last breath, um, her son automatically became king uh, with with no further ceremony or anything required. And uh, and it's that fact that allows us allows our system to operate uh, the way it does. Excitement's a good thing in life, but we don't want excitement in government. That's not a good thing in life generally. You know, boredom in government, you know, uh, yeah, bo boringness in government is a good thing. Fair enough, absolutely. Do you think there's anything that has been lost that might not be recoverable in the reign of King Charles? Oh, I think that whenever any <clears throat> monarch passes, uh, something is lost. Because Queen Elizabeth reigned for so long, of course, you know, none of us or very few of us alive in Canada today can remember uh, her, well, the death of her father. But uh, I'm, I'm sure that things were lost when, when, when King George VI died. Uh, so I'm sure there will be there, there things that have been lost. Um, and, uh, uh, and the new king will pick up and he will be his own king and he will draw upon the inspiration of his mother and of his grandfather, who, who, who he knew, um, and, uh, but he will be his own person. And will that change any of the legal systems in Canada with a change in a new person and no. being his own person? No. What would you say are the benefits or disadvantages of Canada being a constitutional monarchy, especially compared to, say, our neighbors in the United States who made a clean break from Britain? Well, I can't, I don't know many Canadians who would willingly swap our system of government for theirs. Uh, um, so there, if we want a, a stark illustration of the uh, uh, advantages of our system of government, and again, we're talking about a system of government, our system of government versus theirs. Um, you know, we see all around us in, in, in this country as well, you know, tensions and in the aftermath of the pandemic, people are feeling more divided and there's more anger and so on, but it's nothing at all like it is in the United States, nothing at all like it is in the United States. And so to me, that's... Um, that's exhibit number one as to as to as to why um, our system is uh, is not perfect. It's human, so it's full of failings, but uh, but why our system is much more attractive than than theirs. So that's the principal advantage is that it gives us gives us a stability. It's hard to imagine something like Watergate happening here. It's hard to imagine something like the uh, like January sixth happening here. You know, as 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 bad as the 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 trucker protest was, and, and I'm one of the ones who thinks that it was very bad indeed, uh, um, we didn't have armed people you know, storming uh, the center block, you know, looking for the prime minister and the speaker of the House of Commons to shoot them. Uh, so, you know, as bad as things were, they could, they could have been worse. Um, 
I personally can't think of any disadvantage. I'm, I'm a believer in the system, so I can't, personally can't think of any disadvantages. Again, it's a human institution, and, and the occupants, the lieutenant governors, and as we've seen in Canada, governors general uh, can make mistakes. Uh, they can let the, let the, uh, the side down, but um, structurally, systemically, I think it's pretty good. When Dean Holloway references January 6th, he is speaking to the United States Capitol attacks that happened in 2021. When he speaks to the trucker protests, he is talking about the Freedom Convoy protests that happened in early 2022, where Canadian cross-border truckers were protesting the need to be vaccinated against COVID-19. Whenever the royals are in the news in Canada, for example, during the royal visit in 1964, this visit caused a lot of controversy, especially with Quebec separatists. Or, in recent news of the Queen's death, there has also been a lot of speculation in the news and a lot of people questioning whether Canada should remain connected to the monarchy. There are many polls that show Canadians are, to an extent, evenly split on whether to maintain ties with the monarchy. With the Queen's passing, would this be a good time to break ties? And what would it actually take to sever ties with the monarchy? It would be a terrible time, uh, and, and I'll explain that in a moment. But, but let me say something about the polling. Um, as, as we know, um, the answer you get depends upon the question that's asked. And those polls typically say, are you in favor of Canada retaining ties with the British monarchy? The question isn't, um, are you in favor of Canada maintaining its system of government? Or would you prefer Canada to have our system of government or an American system of government? So there are other ways to phrase that question, to frame that question, which I guarantee you would lead to a very different uh, very different out, uh, result. Um, but no, it would be a terrible time um, uh, to try to uh, to try to switch to a, a Republican system of government as uh, as we know, um, our constitution requires um, in the, in order for there to be a change in uh, in uh, in order for there to be constitutional change regarding the monarchy, there has to be unanimity amongst the provinces. And this wasn't the case in 1982, but it would almost certainly be the case now that there would be an implied. Uh, obligation to get consent of the First Nations uh, for constitutional change of that nature, because of course the treaties were signed with uh, with with the Crown, and it's impossible for me to conceive of any situation where we would get unanimity amongst the ten provinces, let alone unanimity amongst the ten provinces plus uh, the many hundreds of First Nations we have uh, in this country. So trying to do that would just invite um, <clears throat> um, rancor and arguing. It, it, it would tear us asunder. We'd, we'd be much worse off after the debate than we were, than we were before. And you, you're too young to remember this, but uh, in the uh, uh, late 1980s and early 1990s, we, we did have two rounds of conversation in Canada about constitutional form. Nothing as dramatic as the monarchy, but it related to uh, recognizing in a formal constitutional sense Quebec's uh, special status within the Federation. And uh, the, the so-called Charlottetown and Meech Lake um, Accords. And uh, they nearly tore Canada apart. Uh, you, you know, even even today, amongst people of my age, um, you mentioned Charlottetown or Meech Lake, and 
passions can flare up instantly. So um, you take that experience and put it on steroids, uh, and that's what we would see if we tried to have a serious debate about republicanism in Canada. You are listening to the Hearsay Podcast on CJSW 90.9 FM. And again, you mentioned the Constitution of 1982. Mm-hmm. That was clearly something that happened during the life of the Queen. Yep. Can you tell us more about her role in making Canada's Constitution what it is today? Sure. Uh, principally, it was, it was symbolic. That, that's, that's mostly what it was. I mean, you know, the, 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 the Constitution we have today enshrined the system of government which, which had her at, a, at, a, at its head. Um, again, we don't know. Communications, direct communications with the Queen uh, tend to be kept private. It's considered, uh, it's considered bad form. Um, um, and some people actually argue that it's illegal uh, to re- reveal private communications with, uh, with the Queen. Uh, I'm not saying that it is, but uh, some people do argue that. Um, I've heard uh, it said that um, when, uh, when the debate about patriation of our Constitution, the adoption of the Constitution Act of 1982 uh, came about, there were First Nations who sent delegations to, to London to try to block it because they were concerned that this would somehow weaken their, their relationship with, uh, with uh, the Crown. And uh, it, it is said in some circles that, uh, that the Queen had a, a direct word with pri- the first Prime Minister, Trudeau, and uh, with Mrs. Thatcher, the British Prime Minister, uh, to, um, uh, to encourage them not to not to ignore uh, the situation of the First Nations. We don't know whether, at least I don't know whether that happened, but I've heard that it happened. And then, of course, when, uh, when the, the, the Canada Act of 1982 was proclaimed and we adopted the Charter of Rights, of course, the Queen came here that April day of 1982 and there was that wonderful ceremony which uh, was enshrined in a photograph that I showed, uh, showed you guys. Um, so, yeah, no, she, she was there throughout the whole process. And, and her name's on the document. And so you mentioned, again, her name is on the document. Mm. Um, for those who don't know, the courts in Alberta are, or previously were, the Court of Queen's Bench, yeah. as they are throughout the rest of the country. We also have images of the Queen on some of our money. Is there going to be any legal changes about what we can and cannot do um, in wake of the Queen's death? Um, so I know that the, you know, for example, the courts have changed their name. Mm-hmm. Is there going to be incorrect citations or incorrect uh, forms of reference if there's some mention to the Queen versus oh, His Majesty? Sh- sure, there will. There, there will be formally incorrect. Uh, you know, p- people will make mistakes, um, and there will be a period of of transition. Uh, so. Uh, I, I will say I was surprised that, that within hours of the news of the Queen's death, um, the, the the court here had changed its website, which I thought, well, that's that's that was pretty quick. Um, I thought, well, maybe it's a bit too quick. I thought uh, the um, um, but there there will be a period of transition. Uh, you know, there are, you know, I'm I'm now a King's Counsel. Uh, I still have business cards that have QC on them. I'm not going to throw them away. Uh, so there'll be a multi-year period of transition. There are pictures of the Queen in, in every government office, and over time they'll be replaced by photo by portraits of the King. Um, our coins in due course will change. Um, if the decision is made to keep the Queen on or keep the sovereign on the twenty-dollar bill, then at some point that will change. You know, I um, 
you know, well into the 1970s, maybe even the early 1980s, you would occasionally see coins in Canada, which still had the king on, you know, the old king on them. Um, so, yeah. There's lots of people in Britain, um, as well as Canada and across the world, who had a lot to say about King Charles yeah. and whether or not he ever should have been given uh, the role of the king mm -hmm. or whether it should have passed directly to his mm -hmm. son, William. What are your thoughts on that and why would it matter? Well, that's not the way the system works. I mean, you know, the, 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 this is not a cult of celebrity, right? It's not, uh, it's, it's not, um, it's, you know, we're not sort of deciding who's number one on the charts. I mean, this, this is a system of government and the rules are that the, the, the throne passes to the eldest child of the, of the deceased monarch. So it would not have been an option. Um, for the for the crown to pass directly from Queen Elizabeth to uh, to Prince William, um, so pe people who think that are mistaking the system of government for People magazine. Um, the uh, uh, I, um, I you know we know that you know Prince Charles had some significant bumps in the road. Uh, there's no question about that, and like many people, he had a had an unhappy marriage. Uh, unlike most people, um, he had the misfortune to have his marital unhappiness, you know, played out on the front pages of newspapers uh, around the world. You know, m most of us don't have to live our lives in, in that degree of, of, of the public. Um, but, uh, but he's a human being, and, uh, uh, and he is a person who's deep, like his mother uh, and like his grandfather, deeply uh, inspired by a sense of duty. Uh, I don't know if you watched his uh, his his speech um, on. Think about this: filming a speech um, about the Constitution on the very day that your mother dies. Um, well, he did it because he had to do it. That 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 went with the turf, and um, and it was a very you know noble speech. And I think even someone who's not a particular fan of the institution of monarchy would have to acknowledge that it was uh, that it, that it was a it was a very very well well done thing and it, and it set um, a tone that I hope will continue because it's about our system of government and I want continued stability in our in our government and do you think there will be continued stability um, despite those who have maybe negative connotations of now King Charles and do you think that King Charles, um, just with him being a separate person, is going to make any changes to Canada? Do you think there's going to be any changes in our politics or our legal system with this change in monarchy? Uh, well, he he won't make changes to Canada because he reigns, but he doesn't rule. So he 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 himself won't. Uh, undoubtedly, Canada will continue to change and evolve, just as the Canada as it was on the day before the Queen's death was very different from the Canada as it was in 1952 when she became our Queen. Uh, you know, the Canada in the tenth year of King Charles's reign will be different than the Canada that it is that it is today. So, of course, our country is going to continue to evolve and change as 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 we continue to evolve and change, uh, and 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 he will be part of that because he is the head of our system of of, of government. Um, I think that he will continue to show the interest in Canada that uh, that his mother did. Um, He's uh, uh, people who know him um, uh, better than I do uh, tell me that he's remarkably well informed about about Canada. He he uh, has spoken to our prime minister a number of times already. Um, Excellent. And in closing, um, Queen Elizabeth obviously very long reign and well liked by many. 
What would you say is the legacy that she is leaving behind in both Britain and in Canada? The importance of duty. Um, that is something that is increasingly fragile in, in, in society, in, in my view. Uh, the idea that we, we live to serve rather than live to fulfill ourselves. And, uh, uh, and so that's a legacy that I hope lives on. When, you know, when she, was a, when she was a young woman, when she was a princess, when she turned 21, she, you know, she gave a speech in, uh, in South Africa uh, in which she said, you know, whether my life is long or short, I, I pledge to you all uh, that I dedicate, I dedicate myself to your service for however long I live. And she did that. And, um, and uh, w when I read those words, when I listen to those words, it, it's on YouTube, you can see it, um, I find it tremendously inspirational. And actually, another question, if you don't sure. mind. Um, there obviously are many people in Canada of different walks of life and in different provinces. Mm. Do you think there is anybody who is adversely impacted by being part of a constitutional monarchy of somewhere that was a colonizing country? Or do you think there's anyone who particularly benefits from being a part of this system? I think that we, anyone who believes that Canada exists as a legitimate legal construct, and, and there are some people who don't. Right? There's some people who think that Canada is completely illegitimate and that it shouldn't exist. Um, but anyone who, who believes that Canada exists as a, as a legitimate legal construct has, uh, has an interest in our system of government and ours being a stable and um, uh, an enduring system of government. Um, a system of government that's imperfect, again, to repeat myself, um, but, but a system of government that we can change. We can, you know, if we don't like what they're doing, we can vote them out and put, put better people in. Um, a system of government where we don't have to storm the legislature or the parliament uh, with guns um, um, because we don't like what's going on. Um, so I, I know there are people who believe uh, that, they, that we are weakened as a nation because we, have, we are a constitutional monarchy, but I, I don't believe that to be the case myself. You mentioned people who don't believe Canada mm. as a legitimate mm. legal mm. entity. Can you tell us what that means? Well, I, you know, I, 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 you know, I don't want to speak for other people, but I've, I've met, you know, some um, uh, Indigenous people, some First Nations people who've said to me that, you know, it, it, that we live on stolen land, uh, that, you know, Canada, you know, shouldn't exist. It, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a construct of crime. Um, and we're all, all of us, we who are, we three who are sitting here today are benefiting from the proceeds of crime. So that is a view. It's not, I don't think it's widely held, but, but, it, but it is a view held by some. Excellent. Thank you so much. Thank you. Well, that is all that we have for you um, okay. today. Again, thank you so much uh, for your time. Oh, thank you guys for knowledge. having me. No, that was fantastic. Thanks. You are listening to the Hearsay Podcast. We are proud to present you with legal information, but please remember that this is not legal advice. If you do require legal advice, please consult a lawyer. The Hearsay Podcast is a joint project between CJSW 90.9 FM and Pro Bono Students Canada University of Calgary chapter. If you'd like to hear more podcasts like this, the Hearsay Podcast can be found on Google Podcasts, Apple Music, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time.